This is the Restoration Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, professional counselor, Jared Pogue. Not everybody needs counseling, but certainly we all need a little help every now and again. Welcome back to our two-part series on grief. If you missed part one of our interview, I implore you to go back and listen. Here in part two, we're focusing more on understanding and experiencing our own grief. As you'll hear in this interview with professional counselor and marriage and family therapist Jennifer Stuckert, grief is rarely neat and tidy, and we must not suppress the pain if we want to live fully. Grieving is long, painful, and incredibly complex. But Jennifer enters this topic with such poise, honesty, and insight that I assure you that you'll be both enlightened as well as moved. I can think of very few people better to teach us about this topic. With that stated, please enjoy today's show. I think anyone who's who's experienced grief can tell you it hurts, and it hurts like no other pain hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like uh, recovering from a surgery or a, a scraped knee or something like that. It, it's, it's a deep, almost I mean, spiritual, emotional, physical at times. It, it, it seems to cover the gamut. What do we do with this pain? Mm-hmm. When, it, when we've, we've lost someone or something, as you described earlier, what do we do? Grief does really hurt, and we would be pretending if we didn't acknowledge the severity of those losses and how they hurt emotionally. Even just listening to you give your intro there (laughs) brings up emotions for me because grief is not something that I'm a stranger to. I know it a little better than I'd like to. And when we do know what it feels like to hurt like that, it changes us. It's no longer one of those things we can just compartmentalize and That's put right. in a tidy little box and That's right. hide it underneath our bed. If it's real grief, I've learned it doesn't stay there. No, it right. doesn't. And if I were to talk about the things that I think are most important to understand about grief in its essence, it would be that, yes, we all know there's parts to grief, or a lot of us know, you know denial, anger, depression, bargaining, those things that are like common parts to to grief that we know about, but they don't happen necessarily linearly. Yeah. There's not a first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And just because we've checked a box, just because I've been angry about something, this loss, doesn't mean that I won't stop being angry or because I move on from anger to then bargaining doesn't mean I won't go back to anger. Yeah. I may. It's a long mm-hmm. journey to acceptance, the end of the train. And yeah. uh, one time I saw a great drawing. Uh, the best visual depiction of it would be if you looked at a bowl of spaghetti. So okay. there's lots of noodles all around intertwining one another. And yeah. each one of them is a different component to grief. Mm. It's not orderly. It overlaps each other. It ties up together. It makes one big glob. Sometimes it feels like they're all hitting us at once. And sometimes we're in a phase. And all of this happens with tons of emotional intensity. Mm. So whichever case or phase we're in, 
we aren't usually experiencing it in a mild way. Mm. And sometimes we're bleeding on, we're bleeding ourselves and we're bleeding on others. So those around us see it and are confused by it and don't necessarily know how to react. triggers with grief. Um, I remember one time when we were on our way to our family vacation and we were driving to a state park and along the way I was the only one in my car and I drove past this building off to the left and the building looked like the last care facility my mom lived at. Hmm. Spanish moss hanging in the trees, the quintessential Florida, central Florida kind of look. Live oak trees, yeah. if you can imagine it, it's like the South <laughs> in its classic sense. And I was overcome. Mm. And I arrived at the vacation crying. Mm. And I hadn't been feeling sad. I was feeling perfectly fine. Yeah. But all of a sudden, that visual reminded me of my mom. My mom had died two months before. Mm. It was a fresh wound. Uh, it was a huge loss. So that thing was a trigger to me. Mm. People are going to experience those kinds of triggers and we can't predict when they'll be. We can see some coming like holidays, anniversaries, birthdays, maybe even special things that we always did with that person. In some ways, those are easier and harder. We can anticipate them so we have that little bitty advantage. But a lot of times we forget to anticipate and prepare. Yeah. The others are different because we didn't see them coming. Mm. A lot of times people um, need to recognize that grief can be both um, something that's happening to you and something that you wrestle with in an active way. Mm. I'm more of a fan of the active version of it. Um, it might be because I'm a doer. <laughs> but I also think that as we pursue getting on the other side, moving to acceptance, we can make progress. Hmm. You can't really control the length of your journey or the speed of your pace, but you can still help yourself out. Yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear more about that. You know, I, I really think in our American minds, we've gotten efficiency yes. pushed into us yes. and that we assume we can just kind of push through things and, right. and get to the end and, right. and finally be at acceptance as you were describing right. it. Right. I don't find this to be a helpful mindset to bring into grief. No. Um, no. Maybe just the opposite of anything, actually. Maybe yeah. the most detrimental someone can bring in. I, I want to hear, I guess, what do we do? This active version of, of grieving that you're talking about. What, mm -hmm. is that, what does that look like? And, mm -hmm. um, is it good for everybody? Mm -hmm. Great questions. I think um, the first point about that is that Active grief honors grief. It sounds mm. weird. Yeah. It's a weighty statement. And I mean it to be weighty. Oftentimes, people minimize the severity of their loss. Mm. They know it's really profound, but they don't treat their emotional reaction as profound. 
But if you give yourself permission to treat your emotional reaction as profound in an appropriate way, you honor grief itself. Hmm. And as you do that, you really make the first step in the active process of grieving. If you give yourself permission to have the reactions you have, if you don't work to bottle it up, if you don't work to stuff it down, if you don't work to deny it, if you don't apologize for it, if you become comfortable with the very fact that you're grieving, you will ironically make more progress in your grief. Hmm. And that seems uh, odd to people because, like you said, in the American mindset is efficiency and denial. Denial is a very good friend to people who want to be ambitious and keep going. Yeah. And grief, grief is rarely convenient. It's sometimes very untimely. No one wants to have a loss, but the hardest losses are the kind that come in an unjust way. someone's family member was murdered we just recently are in the context of the shooting in yeah. south florida and though that's a great example of an unjust death yeah. and when we have those kinds of experiences our emotional intensity is even greater we expect people to close out their lives at the end after a certain number of years whatever that number is whether that's you know, 70 years or 90 years or 105 years, though that's rare. Yeah, sure. It, we can anticipate that. There's an order to life. If you're the parent, you expect the parent to go before the child. Yeah. Before the baby. And yeah. whenever those orders are disrupted, people's emotional reaction is even more intense. Mm. So honoring the grief, giving yourself permission to be grieving is very important. I think secondly, looking for things that you can do that help you in a good way honor and remember the person you lost. Hmm. So if you think in a loving way and um, focus on the positive memories about that person, you can tap into great things connected to you and them. Hmm. And if you tap into those things, you will shift the focus and you'll allow the intense emotions to have some more more productive to go. Mm. I'm a fan of um, what I call commemorating my loved ones, doing active things to remember them that are really intentional choices. Mm. I've uh, taken on new traditions in my family and thankfully the rest of the family has gone along with it. <laughs> And I've set up a special um, Christmas dinner that we do in honor of my mom and dad. Mm. We follow some of the traditions of my childhood. And we specifically eat the foods we ate when I was a kid. I cook the meal. It's in honor of my mom and dad. It's a way that I remember them even though they're not here. Yeah. And we talk about it. Mm. And it helps me deal with the fact that at Christmas time, they're not there. Yeah. There are other times when I'll make my mom's favorite, one of her most famous meals that she cooked. And I have the recipe card still in her handwriting. Mm. And I'll cook that meal. Or I'll ride in the vehicle that used to be my dad's vehicle and remember him when I'm out on a dirt path. Yeah. Riding in the woods with my family just like he would have been riding in that very same truck. Mm. 
different active steps that you can do yeah. to remember them. Uh, thinking of the way that they would have thought of things and connecting those thoughts that they would have had with you loving them mm. paired together. I've had special jewelry made with leftover jewelry from my mom. Different commemoratives, things that take my grief and help it be active. Yeah. Making a collage and hanging it on the wall with family pictures of your favorite memories, writing posts on social media, yeah. all kinds of different steps that we take. Those steps help us summarize the love that we had for that person. And in some ways, I think they prevent us from getting stuck. Hmm. Even if we weep while we make them, yeah. even if we weep in anticipation to doing them, we are honoring them, the one that we lost, and helping ourselves. No, I, I like that a lot. get over grief and even having that as a goal is sadly a fool's errand instead we lean into the feelings of grief especially when they're trying to tell us something something important they remind us of the past who we once were um, who the person or thing lost once was and what life once was. It's an odd thing and doesn't fit neatly in our highly structured and compartmentalized lives. Instead, grief demands us to look into the face of reality, taking us away from our habits of creating and consuming, and instead implores us to recognize the awe of reality itself. We all do this differently, and few ways of grieving can be defined as wrong. With that stated, I had one more question for Jennifer. You see, where I grew up, most men never talked about hard loss. It seemed to get swept up in silence. But I also noted that there were social pressures involved in expressing grief for men. Part of my personal mission in life is to help other men embrace what manhood must require if we are to help raise the next generation of boys. This, to me, means that men must weep together sometimes, expressing pain and grief in meaningful, powerful, and specifically masculine ways. This is a big step in embracing our humanity. So I asked Jennifer, how do we help men begin to embrace active, unsmothered grief it's a, it's a profound question and it's you make an astute observation that men and women do really go about the process differently 
and even one man to the next. Some men are more expressive and communicative, and some men are less expressive and less communicative. I think we're speaking about the less expressive, less communicative group today in this moment. And with them, this is when someone coming alongside that gives them permission Hmm. is really helpful. Sometimes the way we love another person really well when they have this struggle is to go there with them. Hmm. The companionship of someone else who knew is very powerful. Hmm. It's even powerful for the person who's able to talk easily about it. But I think it's especially powerful for the person where they have it all locked away in a special room. And for Hmm. them, I think they need that companionship more. And they need that invitation. Hmm. They might also need a little more help and education. Okay. That it's okay. It's not weak for them to be emotional and tender. Hmm. It's not... Um, doesn't mean they're sick or broken or not masculine or any of those traits. It just means they're human. Mm. In our humanity, we all will miss people. And it takes time for us to get comfortable with that. I've seen people put away their grief for decades and then come in later, wondering why something is very messed up in their life. And when we go looking for it, we find that they stuffed away this thing, this loss in a closet. Mm. So we know that it's not the most helpful path. But I grew up in a farm community and what I can tell you is that those people didn't talk about these kinds of losses. Mm. That wasn't a common way. It was a lot of tough people Mm. who were very hardy and strong and... They'd seen a lot of difficulties. And the more that that is your composition as a person, it can lead to not talking about it. Yeah. Culture adds something to that. It does. It does. Community adds something to that. It does. Um, So what happened with grief in that community? You said it it continually sort of got stuffed and and pushed away. I mean, I can only imagine that has detrimental effects on the individuals and and thus the community eventually. Right, right. Well, each place is different, you know. Uh, I think we have to realize who it is we're talking to when we talk to someone. Yeah. It's helpful to remember how the person was before the loss mm. because who they were and how they were will be similar on the other side of the loss. Mm. Sometimes the way we went at a problem before we had this kind of loss is the same way we go at a problem on the other side. Yeah. And sometimes the things we struggled with before the loss are even bigger struggles on the other side. Mm. If we can remember that, I think we're more gracious to ourselves. If someone listening today feels like they're that person, yeah, that strong, hard person that pushes things away, I would just encourage them to remember that about themselves. Be gracious and gentle with themselves mm. and patient with yourself. Now... I would add into this, because we talk about this a lot at my house, introversion and extroversion, because we have half the house one way and half the house the other way. Sure. And that's a factor too. Yeah. For some people, they really do process their losses alone. They don't need the companionship of having someone listen to their every reflection. Hmm. But all of us need the presence of other loving people in our lives. Hmm. The number and the... Um, pizzazz in any given moment varies 
by personal preference, but we all need loving community. Mm. How big that community is is different, and how intense that community is is different. But even if we're the quiet process alone type, we still need that loving support. Mm. Um, Well, Jennifer, uh, always hard to end on a heavier note. (laughs) But uh, I think we'll go ahead and, and land this here for today. Uh, okay. I guess I just want to give you an opportunity to have any sort of uh, final thoughts about grief on the whole. Anything that we maybe didn't get a chance to, to go over in this that you feel that um, it would be a, 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 a very sad thing if we missed it. So I'd like to give you a moment to uh, just sort of... I think yeah. one other thing that um, people always are asking, whether they say it out loud or they're thinking it inside their head, is when will this stop? Hmm. When will grief end? So since we're talking about wrapping up today's conversation, <laughs> maybe it's helpful to think about for people, when will they get relief? Yeah. And um, relief is determined by lots of different factors. The loss is not going to go away. Hmm. So they're going to have to live on in a new way. And as they get their head around what that means to live on in a new way, they'll be making... Um, distance from the acuteness of the pain Mm. every minute as it feels like every pulse is profoundly painful Mm. but the experiences change Mm. we change we hopefully move on in our lives and we begin to get our heads around the losses that we've experienced as we do that then we live in a new way And as we live in a new way, it doesn't change the loss. I don't think it really ever does. It doesn't even change necessarily the triggers. Hmm. You might have three Christmases where you're never affected and then poof, one you do um, get really upset and feel you know pain and more loss again. Something reminds you, your vantage changes. You see yeah. things from a new perspective and you're closer to the person you lost, Yeah. strangely. Hmm. And so it doesn't go away, but I think it changes. Mm. And I think as it changes, some of the intensity of the pain is a little bit different. Mm. And there's hope for us there. There's hope for us that we'll see life in new ways, that we'll appropriate the pain, mm. um, both in actual things that we do in our lives and in commemoration and in conversation with others. And it will become part of who we are, but not something we are afraid of. Hmm. And one thing I think I hear you saying is there's, there's just not a timeline there's on not. any of this. And there's no rushing it. Hmm. I actually think the people who push themselves to be done usually have a harder time. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense there. And I imagine for some, maybe they do have to put it on pause for a little while. So they Sometimes can... you do. Sometimes you have to get back to the business of life. Yeah. Uh, I remember grieving the loss of my parents while cleaning their home that needed to be done. It mm. wasn't a fun task, but it was something that needed to be done. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have the luxury of leaving things in a closet for an extended period of time, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. We, all, we don't all get to do things the same way, but the way that we do them needs to make sense for who we are and what's going on in our lives. Yeah, it sounds like one of those great places that when someone comes up to you and says, if there's anything you need, let me know. If we could just somehow say, you know, if you could take care of this business side of things. Right, right. I think it's, it's very, very difficult. Or accompany me with 
be with me while I do it. Yeah, there, and we never think that we have this responsibility on our own part to speak up for ourselves in grief. And a lot of times people in grief can't know how helpful it would be to them. Exactly. Um, they're just so overwhelmed with that feeling that they... I hope today we give them permission. Today I hope we give them permission to think again about what they need, to ask for it, and I hope we encourage the people who want to help their loved ones, whether that be your spouse, your child, um, just another family member, to come closer. Hmm. And realize that their care is powerful and does make a difference. Thank you for joining us for the Restoration Counseling Podcast. Our podcast is a product of Restoration Counseling of Atlanta, located in Roswell and Woodstock, Georgia. If you'd like to ask questions or inquire about counseling, please feel free to do so. You can email us at info at restorationcounselingatl.com. Again, that's info at restorationcounselingatl.com. If you'd like to contact Jared, please feel free to email him at Jared. J-A-R-E-D at restorationcounselingatl.com. Thank you.